It's well documented that we have for quite a long time now known where the real problem is in the Middle East. And in fact, the president adequately described it as the axis of evil. I guess my question is how many times do we have to prove that these people are blowing up people now, never mind if they get a nuclear weapon, when do we send them an airmail message to Tehran? <laughs> That old, uh, that old Beach Boys song, Bomberan. <laughs> bom, 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 bom. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> bom, 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 Iran. Bom, 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 Iran. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. This is the second edition of the Corbett Report coming to you on the 8th day of June 2007. I am your host, James Corbett, podcasting to you from the sunny climes of western Japan. I play that opening clip not because I am supportive of its sentiment, obviously, but just to demonstrate that the invasion of Iran is part of the zeitgeist. Uh, You have the literal scumbag John McCain, a man who pretends to be interested in campaign finance reform, but uh, if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. Um, If you don't believe me, please just uh, check out the Keating Five. You can type that into Wikipedia and read all about it. And I should point out to my first-time listeners that uh, for all of the uh, facts that I cite in each and every one of my podcasts, you'll be able to get a link directly to the original source documents from which it comes from, including the Keating Five on Wikipedia. Um, Every time you hear something that you find interesting, please just write down the time, uh, note the time index, and you'll be able to look up um, by the time index exactly that document uh, on my website, corbettreport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, report.com. Um, under the Episodes tab, uh, you'll be able to find the documentation. Um, You have that scumbag going up there and saying that he literally wants to nuke Iran, drop bombs on them. Um, And then you've got the protesters who come up with a YouTube video, which you can watch, um, about John McCain wanting to bomb Iran using the same song, a Beach Boys song from the 60s called Barbara Ann, but has was updated in 1980 during the Iranian hostage crisis uh, by Vince Vance and the Valiants. But it's uh, resurfaced recently because of the John McCain quote. Anyway, so you have protesters riffing on it and trying to use it to turn it against John McCain and his campaign for president. But it's all part of a cyclical feedback loop. And even though the protesters are, of course, trying to to make fun of John McCain using the clip, it really just serves to further reinforce the conditioning that we're being fed right now that Iran is going to be bombed. Uh, One way or another, someone's going to get in power and someone's going to pull the trigger, as it were. 
as I say, it's part of a feedback loop, and uh, it just continues to grow and grow. Um, the talk will eventually increase and increase until such time as it seems inevitable that they will attack, and uh, then they will attack. Um, and when they do, it will seem like it was inevitable or it was just uh, destined to happen. It's the same thing that uh, happened with the Iraq War. Um, you'll notice in the... Of course, uh, they were talking about the Iraq War uh, months and months in advance. Uh, Bush delivered his address to the UN about the Iraq problem in September 2002. And then there were months uh, months of speculation about whether America would attack and when America would attack and how America would attack. And eventually, America attacked. And it didn't seem uh, so surprising. In fact, it seemed like it was inevitable. Um, despite the huge protests around the world against the war, um, even the anti-war protesters had to just resign themselves to the fact that it had happened when it did happen. Um, even in the, the days leading up to the attack on Iraq, you would see uh, Bush and Blair with their ultimatum to Saddam, basically saying, disarm or we will invade. Um, of course, we now know that that was uh, complete cockamamie, as there was nothing to disarm. There were no weapons of mass destruction. So them going up and saying disarm or we will invade, which uh, even they knew to be disingenuous. Um, we have the White House memo now that shows that they were um, literally uh, fixing the, uh, the evidence to f match with the policy of invading Iraq. Um, please, again, look up the White House memo. Um, so it's the same thing going on here where um, there will be altercations and different events involving Iran, like the uh, staged uh, hostage-taking uh, recently. I we'll get into a little bit about how that was staged and what was uh, rigged about it. But um, you ha you'll have a buildup of these events until eventually, again, even despite a, a huge anti-war protest, probably even bigger than it's... It's probably going to be bigger than it was even for the Iraq war. But it, again, it won't matter because we'll have been preconditioned. We are going to attack Iran. We are going to attack Iran. We are going to attack Iran. So when it happens, it won't be a surprise. Um, but I don't say this as eloquently as Alex Jones. Alex Jones is a um, syndicated radio talk show host um, who has his own program, which uh, I urge you to check out. Um, on Infowars.com, you can find a link to his podcast, which I urge you to subscribe to. It's a three-hour daily uh, program with a two-hour uh, Sunday edition. Um, so I'm going to play a clip from his uh, podcast. Uh, in this clip, he's talking a little bit about this, the conditioning for the war in Iran, which uh, will eventually just lead us to resign ourselves to the fact that it's coming. So here's Alex Jones from his podcast. Now, what the New World Order crowd does with psychological warfare like they did in 2002, announcing they would attack in March of 2002 and then not attacking, is continue to announce that they're going to attack day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, until it's a foregone conclusion. For two years, we've been hearing out of the Defense Department, out of Israel, and out of uh, the other bigwig organizations that run this country, this country's military and its foreign policy, that there would be an attack on Iran, that Israel could launch the attack, or the U.S. could launch a sneak attack on hundreds of military sites, not just the Bashir reactor and other nuclear development sites with their atomic program. And what that does is that conditions you to expect that it's going to happen. And at a subconscious level, the voyeur in all of us, or the, 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 the deep animal, 
or beast or bloodlust in all of us pretty much wants to see it happen, wants to see the fight. You you expect it. You've been hearing it so much, you say, let's just get it over with already. You expect it. This is basic psychology that is being used, 101. Now, at the conscious level, we don't want the war. We know it will kill thousands of innocents. We know it will plunge the dollar even further and jack up oil prices. We know it's a fraud, and it will demonize the good name of the United States to an even greater extent worldwide. But you expect it to happen. It becomes that unknown country, uh, that, that exotic place you want to visit in your mind's eye because they continue to hammer it. You just expect it. That's kind of a way to simplify it. It's... It's basic marketing. And for those of you that would still doubt that we are on the brink of war with Iran, a little bit of background information. Um, August 1st, 2005, um, the American Conservative issued a new uh, copy of their magazine, and on the website, under a heading Deep Background, they reported that um, Vice President Dick Cheney had tasked the United States Strategic Command better known as STRATCOM, with drawing up a contingency plan in the event of another terrorist attack in the U.S., and uh, the plan would call for an immediate retaliatory air assault on Iran with both conventional and nuclear weapons. Um, this was followed in the mainstream media by parroting from the usual, uh, the usual plants, um, including an op-ed in the New York Times from Ted Koppel from October 2006, where he said that uh, the return address of any terror attack in the United States, regardless of who's involved, will be, quote, predetermined, and it will be somewhere in Iran, end quote. Um, so the, uh, the build-up was happening even in 2005, 2006. In March 2007, Seymour um, Hirsch uh, with The New Yorker came out with an article called The Redirection, which outlined a little bit about... Um, the coming attack on Iran and the preparations that are being made. In that report, uh, he says, quote, Still, the Pentagon is continuing intensive planning for a possible bombing attack on Iran, a process that began last year at the direction of the president. In recent months, the former intelligence official told me a special planning group has been established in the offices of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, charged with creating a contingency bombing plan for Iran that can be implemented upon orders from the president within 24 hours. In the past month, I was told by an Air Force advisor on targeting and the P Pentagon consultant on terrorism, the Iran planning group has been handing a new assignment to identify targets in Iran that may be involved in supplying or aiding militants in Iraq. Previously, the focus had been on the destruction of Iran's nuclear facilities and possible regime change. End quote. Obviously, the, uh, the planning continues, and um, it's not just planning for an all-out assault on Iran, it's also the, uh, the preparatory work of funding militants in Iran, um, a story that's breaking more and more, um, partly broken by that Seymour Hirsch story in, in March 2007, but also a raw story report on May 7th, 2007, called uh, Saudis U.S. Sponsoring Covert Action Against Iran. They reported in that article that uh, The Atlantic had broken a story that uh, in May that uh, $300 million so far has been funneled by the U.S. in conjunction with intelligence agencies from Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, Israel, and the United Arab Emirates to sectarian political and paramilita paramilitary groups. 
that report was uh, following on an ABC News report from April 3rd, 2007, uh, called The Secret War Against Iran, which detailed that uh, the CIA had been funding uh, a group called Jundula, which was a Pakistani militant group responsible for killing Iranian soldiers and officials inside Iran. Um, the group is led by Abud el-Malik Regi, and the article describes him as being part drug smuggler, part Taliban, part Sunni activist. And the links, again, go back to um, CIA funding this uh, terrorist inside Iran, because, of course, terrorism is perfectly okay if um, it's done inside a country we don't like, and um, if that country... Uh, wants to def defend or arm itself for defense against uh, such attacks. Obviously, that in itself constitutes terrorism against the United States, which, of course, is unforgivable. For a little bit of perspective on this build-up to the attack, look up Operation Ajax uh, from 1953, uh, the overthrow of the uh, democratically elected ruler of Iran, Mohammad Mossadegh, by the uh, CIA in conjunction with British intelligence. Um, they fomented and uh, coordinated this operation, which is now mainstream history. The CIA admits it readily. Um, in which, uh, yeah, the CIA and others helped to overthrow the democratically elected president of the country and install the dictatorial Shah of Iran, um, all for BP, British Petroleum's interests in Iran, which was going to be nationalized under Mossadegh with widespread popular support. So they bring in the Shah, who undergoes a, a tyrannical regime of suppressing the, the population and is eventually overthrown in the Islamic Revolution. And people wonder why Iranians might uh, have support, there might be popular Iranian support for a hardliner like Ahmadinejad. Um, so this is just a history lesson to show that, yeah, um, when you do things like this inside of a, a sovereign country, the people will will uh, resist and they will um, they probably be quite angry about those. It's a pretty pretty predictable result of such action. Um, for those of you who still think that cheering on this war was uh, a great thing because, you know, it's just some Arab nation and might as well reduce it to a parking lot, as people like to say. <sighs> um, the thing to keep in mind uh, is that the Iran war is World War III. Um, if the U.S. goes into Iran... I think all bets are off the table in terms of response not only from Iran, which obviously will seek to defend itself and has a substantial army um, and has access, I guess, to a um, substantial section of the American military, which is amassed in southeastern Iraq along the Iranian border. Um, they would be uh, sitting ducks, as it were, for uh, Iranian air force or military strikes as with the two aircraft carrier task force groups in the region right now, the third on the way, um, uh, that are in the Gulf region and w would be, again, sitting ducks for an Iranian uh, counterattack against the Americans. But not only the Iranian response, but uh, more, more chillingly, the Russian response in this case is uh, unclear at the moment, but uh, some hints towards what a Russian response to an American attack on Iran might be come from an AP article, February 10th, 2007, called Putin Warns U.S. Policy Creating New Arms Race. Mr. Putin was speaking at the 43rd Conference on Security Policy in Munich, and he said nations, quote, are witnessing an almost uncontained hyper-use of force in international relations. One state, the United States, has overstepped its national borders, borders in every way. This is very dangerous. Nobody feels secure anymore because nobody can hide behind international law. 
This is nourishing an arms race with the desire of countries to get nuclear weapons, he added. So from that story, we obviously get the tenor of the um, the Russian thinking along these lines that um, Iraq might have been the last straw and Iran, of course, would be one step too far and uh, Russia would feel compelled to act in, in that event of an American attack against Iran. This was followed up in April 6, 2007, by a Moss News report entitled U.S. to Suffer Losses Upon Attacking Iran, which details um, a man named General Yuri Solovyov, uh, the head of Moscow's air defense, who uh, delivered a, a, a pretty thinly veiled threat that um, Iran's weapons, among others, include uh, our anti-aircraft systems, as in Russia's anti-aircraft systems, which allow them, the Iranians, to fight all types of flying objects currently in service in the U.S. Army, Besides, we all remember our specialists have trained them since Soviet times. So here you have um, a key member of the um, uh, Russian army um, basically saying that uh, Russia will be an important uh, part of the Iranian response to any attack. And then um, I, th I think that gives the tenor of the idea that the Russians are setting up for to, to defend their Iranian interests. And um, anyone who thinks that the Chinese wouldn't... Uh, act to defend their interests in Iran are probably seriously mistaken. An extremely oil-starved country um, being fed by an extremely oil-rich nation would obviously see the um, American attack as uh, a threat to their existence. Um, if China and Russia enter the uh, theater, um, all bets are off the table. It really then becomes World War III. Um, in the event of such turmoil, China could go into uh, Taiwan, which would upset the entire balance of power in Asia. And uh, America, already overstretched in Iraq, would be mind-bogglingly overstretched if they if they attempted any sort of uh, invasion of Iran. Um, at this point, only I think airstrikes are really um, in the cards for the American attack. But um, it's difficult to see how they could uh, how they could really sustain that, um, given the, the the scale of the counterattack that seems to be mounting. And this isn't to defend the Iranian regime or Ahmadinejad, but um, in the exact same way that uh, Bush's popularity goes up every time he beats his chest and calls for war with another Al-Qaeda-linked nation, um, Ahmadinejad obviously gains support in his own country for, for the same kind of belligerent and uh, chest-pounding kind of rhetoric. Um, and the answer to all this militarism certainly isn't more militarism, which I think is evident to anyone with a grade 3 education. And the question then becomes, and I've certainly heard it posed often enough, how can we as ordinary citizens possibly have an effect in preventing this kind of war? If the powers that be are conspiring to, to bring it about, what can we do to actually prevent it? Well, I think that's based on a false view that um, democracies can go to war without any sort of consent from its polity or any um, tacit justification for the invasion. Um, it's not going to happen without some sort of event prompting it, and the best thing that we can do as concerned citizens is to be vigilant against any sort of false justification for war. And those who believe that uh, wars are committed without false justifications need to look no further than the Gulf of Tonkin to see how a government can com completely stage an event um, that was used to justify a war that killed tens of thousands of Americans, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Vietnamese, although who's counting the other side? Um, it can completely create a false justification for a war, um, go into that war, wage the war for several years, and then 
decades later it comes out, it's admitted now by mainstream sources that, of course, the Gulf of Tonkin was staged, but uh, that's not important. Um, so the best thing that we can do, of course, is to be vigilant against such uh, action. And uh, there are, I, as I see it, there are two different ways that uh, the government will try to create a false justification for war. One is provocateuring, and the other is a false flag terror incident. A provocateur action is uh, what I would say happened in March 2007 with the hostage taking the um, in Iranian waters. Um, and make no mistake that uh, the hostage, the ho- British sailors were taken hostage in Iranian waters. Um, you can look at a blog by Craig Murray, who was the former British ambassador to Uzbekistan and the former head of the British Maritime Administration, so certainly someone who knows what he's talking about on this issue. He had a, a blog entry on March 28, 2007, entitled Fake Maritime Borders, um, which outlined that uh, there were two points in which the um, incident with Iraq, Iran was falsely portrayed in the media. And I quote, A, the Iran-Iraq maritime boundary shown on the British government map does not exist. It has been drawn up by the British government. Only Iraq and Iran can agree their bilateral boundary, and they have never done this in the Gulf, only inside the shot, because there is the, the land border too. The public, the published boundary is a fake with no legal force. B. Accepting the British coordinates for the br- position of both HMS Cornwall and the incident, both were closer to Iranian land than Iraqi land. Go on, print out the map and measure it, which underlines the point that the British border produced the British produced border is not a reliable one. End quote. So we have mainstream officials going on the record to say that the incident was provocateured by the British, obviously as a way of. Uh, getting the Iranians to act in in this manner, what possible reason would they have for getting their own sailors uh, kidnapped? Well, the only one that uh, that strikes anyone um, who's monitoring the situation would be to, to say that they're trying to provoke an incident which would be used as a justification for war. Um, the war plans, as we've seen, are already in place and already in operation, so to think that the government would uh, stage something like this in order to get its own sailors kidnapped would not be beyond the realm of credibility or possibility. Um, Luckily, there were enough people exposing that lie in order for it not to be used as the justification, and thankfully the Iranian regime, tyrannical and despotic as it may be, had the wherewithal to realize that uh, it was a setup and to give the sailors back. But um, we have to be vigilant against such actions in the future. And another form of uh, action which could possibly be used is false flag terror operation. False flag terror, of course, is when a government stages a terror attack under the flag of another nation or another entity in order to blame it on them. Um, this could be used in the Iran case. As we've seen, Dick Cheney's task Stratcom with devising a strategy for uh, putting into plan an operation to automatically uh, bomb Iran in the event of any terror attack in the United States. The only possible reason for drafting such a contingency plan would be, I guess, to ensure that Iran is attacked um, in the event of a terror attack. Even Zbigniew Brzezinski, a co-founder of the Trilateral Commission and a major player in Washington political circles, has gone public saying that uh, the administration could use a false flag terror event, could stage a terror event in order to blame it on Iran, in order to go to war with Iran. If that's coming from Zbigniew Brzezinski, I think it's pretty safe to say that it is in the cards and it is definitely a possibility. Um, What can we as citizens do to prevent such a justification for war? We must monitor the drills in order to hopefully expose false flag terror events before they happen. 
looking at the drills is one way of determining what's about to happen, as we saw on September 11th. And again, this is outlined in a Google video presentation uh, available online, Webster Tarpley speaking at a conference in Seattle on April 1st, 2006, and I exhort you to go watch that. It details, um, I think in greater uh, greater detail, the, the incident, what really happened on September 11th than any other single presentation I've seen. But uh, in that presentation, he outlines that there were no less than 15 drills being carried out on the morning of September 11th by various governmental and military agencies, including several of them taking place at NORAD, which conveniently limited the number of fighter interceptor interceptors available in northeastern USA on the very morning when that airspace was uh, severely compromised to an extent never before witnessed in history. Um, there were other drills going on, of course. Uh, FEMA was running a bioterror drill called Tripod 2, scheduled to begin September 12th, which conveniently placed them right at the end of the pier on the very morning of September 11th when they could immediately go into action. Um, the National Reconnaissance Office, of course, famously running a drill of uh, hijacked jets being crashed into government buildings on the very morning of September 11th. And they would claim that this is uh, just a, a mere coincidence, but I think anyone with... Uh, a basic sense of probability would know better than that. Um, of course, not just 9-11, but also the 7-7 bombings. We have uh, Peter Power, the president of Visor Management, which is a, a consulting firm which specializes in consulting with uh, companies to ensure continuity of operations during uh, major crises. And he admits on the very morning of 7-7 that his company was working in conjunction with a, a London-based company in order to simulate what would happen if certain bombs were placed on the London underground. Um, and as he admits, the, uh, the drill itself envisioned bombs going off at the exact same time in the exact same place as the bombs actually went off on 7-7. Um, I think this uh, is best heard in his own words. So let's listen to a radio interview he gave on the day of 7-7. Uh, the thing that concerns me is that what are we doing for the thousands of men and women actually who are in London working? And I say that because at half past nine this morning we were actually running an exercise for over a company of a thousand people in London based on simultaneous bombs going off precisely at the railway stations that happened this morning. So I still have the hairs on the back of my legs standing upright. Did you get this quite straight? You were running uh, a, an exercise to see where, how you would cope with this and it happened while you were running the exercise? Precisely. And it was uh, about half past nine this morning. We planned this for a company in obvious reasons, I don't want to reveal their name, but they're listening and they'll know it. And we had a room full of crisis managers for the first time they met. And so within five minutes, we made a pretty rapid decision, this is the real one. Uh, and so we went through the correct, the correct drills of activating crisis management procedures to jump from slow time to quick time thinking yeah. and so on. But that's all. It is unbelievable. Why do they run drills of the same events happening at the same time and same place on the same day? Why would they do that? Of course, the... Uh, the reasons for this are threefold. Firstly, they have, through the drills, a conduit for channeling the money for the operation through legitimate government channels. Secondly, they can throw good people in the system off the trail, um, which is obviously created in the system. Echelon, of course, monitoring all communications throughout the globe, picks up on these types of operations. But uh, they have a way of saying, uh, the way of throwing people off their trail by saying that it's part of a drill that's taking place through a legitimate government channel. And thirdly, if they're caught in the act of perpetrating a terror incident, they can use the plausible deniability of the drill itself, saying it was just part of a drill. Um, it gives them a threefold cover. 
So the drills are extremely important, and the way drills in um, military operations work is with a blue team and a red team, basically defenders and attackers. And all it takes is for uh, certain agents placed within the system to control the red team to flip the drill live at a key key moment, and then suddenly what's supposed to happen on paper actually ends up happening in the real world. By the time anyone's sorted it out, it's already done, and the official story has already been pumped out through the media. This is exactly what happened on 9-11. It's exactly what happened on 7-7. And uh, now we have to prepare for the next time this does happen. Um, Recently, there have been a disturbing number of drills um, being uh, staged by the U.S. uh, military uh, involving suitcase nukes, uh, 10 kiloton low-yield nuclear weapons being released uh, in uh, major metropolitan centers. We had Ardent Sentry in uh, April and uh, various other drills going on all the time regarding this scenario. But if we're able to monitor the drills and get the word out about them before they happen, we have a way of stopping them from flipping it live. They won't be able to do it if it's widely publicized beforehand because it will be too suspicious. Although they have tried it before and in the wake of a nuclear attack on a major metropolitan center, there's no telling what will happen or what could happen. Um, Internet communications could go down. Anything could happen in the event of a nuclear strike. So we have to be ready for this. But the best thing we can do is monitor the drills. There are websites set up for monitoring drills, so we need to go to them. We can keep track of drills through sites like False Flag News, which I don't necessarily subscribe to myself, but I do believe that they have a good system for keeping track of drills like this, and they are on top of that type of information. If If we keep our heads above water on this, we can keep them from going live with one of these drills one day. The key is still 9-11. Exposing 9-11 truth will stop these perpetrators from committing these attacks again. Get the word out about 9-11. Impeach Bush, impeach Cheney. For my American friends, get involved with those movements. And that's it for this week. Thank you again for joining me for this edition of The Corporate Report. Join me next week when we will investigate Air India.